God. How big is this popsicle? Hold on. I'm only halfway <laughs> through it. You're just going to have to deal with the audio of me eating this oh. popsicle. No, just get it out. Keep going. It's like you're biting into a, a hamburger that's got a lot of crunchy romaine lettuce on it. Well, just pretend that. That's a lot less gross, right? <laughs> no, it's still gross. I'm still imagining you eating it. <laughs> oh, come on, man. What kind of popsicle is it? Hurt my feelings. Um, one of the plastic ones. It's yellow. Yellow oh, flavor. That's the sound. I thought maybe you were like one on a stick. It's the sound of like the plastic tube. Yeah, it's the plastic tube one. Oh, nice. Those are classic. Oh, they're so good. But you call it like, yellow flavor? Yeah. I eat like four a day. That's uh, just why you're working from home mostly these days. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bring a chest mm. freezer to your co-working space. Mm. Yeah. They're only like 25 calories each, I think. Yeah. I mean, what's the sugar content like? Well, don't worry about it. All, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all the sugar. <laughs> you almost oh, done? Yeah. No. I got like two bites left. What kind of flavor? Can you pinpoint the flavor for us? Hmm. That's a good question. Yellow of some sort. What would possible yellows be? It's not lemon. Not lemony? It's not mm. pineapple-y? I don't think so. That's Maybe, all maybe I got. a mango? Maybe a mango. It might be mango. Man, just when we thought maybe we got our audio all figured out, here you are. Oh, we got it figured out. Crunching away. Mmm. <laughs> I got one big chomp left. No, yeah, we believe And then I got to suck the liquid out. Yes. Are we ready to record now? Oh, I'm ready. You're not cutting any of that. That's high-quality content. I mean, we'll save it for the end. Uh, <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Sing our, th- sing our theme song. Oh, uh, I don't I think You know what? If you're listening closely, I think Link it might be singing it through the wall in uh, the Link, Meow version. Link the Zelda man? Link the, the next-door cat. Oh, Link, Link the cat. Okay. <laughs> the lesser, the lesser all right, we're here now. Sorry. We're starting. One, two, three, start, go. Hey, Max. I'm gonna, oh, hey, Sam. How's it going? I'm gonna jump. Right, I'm gonna jump right into it. Uh, I'm gonna apologize right into it. All I'm right. gonna apologize in advance for potential uh, sounds on my end because there's a lot going on around me right That's now. That's really vague, and you're gonna have to be a lot more specific. You know, just the ghosts, the demons. No, this one's the the upstairs cat, um, the stairwell that he likes to hang out in. Uh, he doesn't live there by himself. My boss lives there. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the upstairs. Cat. I don't like, think that clarification was needed, my man. No, the up, we no one thought the cat lived by himself. <laughs> no, I, th- I had that fun mental picture going, <laughs> and that was his place. Um, anyways, he hangs out in the stairwell and All does right. a lot of talking and meowing, and that might come through occasionally. So if you hear a faint meow, you're not going crazy. That is the cat. Well, maybe uh, we should have him on as a guest. You think so? I don't think he's Probably got much to, to say, say no. but well, apparently you know he does if we can hear him. <laughs> that is true. And then there's also uh, was a wedding party walking around my house taking pictures. Um, taking pictures of your house? In front of my house. It's pretty uh, picturesque. Uh, you know, my, my house, this supposedly the house I'm living in is 330 years old, Sam. So That's an old, that's a very old house. So United States, yes it is. <laughs> the important question is, did you go out there and add a little, you know, add a little color to their to their photos? I did not. I closed all the blinds. <laughs> what? Closed every window. You know they want some scraggly looking dirty farmer in the background of their photos. Yeah, at this point, I don't look very farmery. Earlier in the day when I was walking around looking overalls and stuff and looking dirty, that was more fitting to be in the background. Yeah. Right now, I look just kind of gross. I guess it's not very authentic if you're just kind of all cleaned up. Yeah, and I'm semi-cleaned up right now. And then the, we'll talk more about the dog, but the dog is not in here right now, luckily. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the dog right now. Okay, Haley and I got a dog. You did uh, get a dog. We talked did. about it last episode. Yeah, we teased with the thought of the dog. Uh, we got her last Saturday. Uh, she's adopted. Name, her name's Gord, right? Her name is Boca, named for Kaboka Squash. Mm. I still think you should have um, gone with Gord. I think if we ever have a boy dog, I will definitely name him Gord. I think All it's right. pretty funny. Good. <laughs> but um, so how is how is dog father fathering? It's exhausting. It's very um. Way more. I, well, we never really raised a dog from a puppy stage. I felt like with Cassidy growing no. up. No, remember not to get you sidetracked, but remember when we got Cassidy? They were like, "Oh yeah, he's a puppy," and then we very quickly realized that he was probably like nine. Yeah, he's like a ninety-year-old man in a dog's body. <laughs> yeah, they they. I think they lied to us. They definitely did. But yours well, is this... a legitimate puppy. I have seen video. 
Yeah, it definitely seems like a puppy. So it's just a lot of time spent. You know, she's not house trained yet. So we're going through that like rigmarole, which is essentially anytime you think the dog might go to the bathroom, you just take the dog outside and go out there <laughs> and hope that she goes to bed. I mean, I did yesterday. I caught her mid squat to drop a deuce in our in our living room while I was making lunch, and I looked over at her and I just yelled her name. And she just pitched off the tidiest little poop because she got scared of me. And we went outside and she finished. Terrible. So it's progress. It's progress. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. All right. So we think we think she's getting to the point where she's like whining to go outside to go to the bathroom because she's done that a couple times. But she was just whining earlier for no reason. I let her out and she just kind of hung out. So Hmm. we might not be there yet. She's learning how to play you. Yeah, that's what she's really learned. And also, you just have to keep an eye on her at all times because she is like teething right now, like getting her, and so she's chewing on just just about everything she can, um, which is super annoying. Sounds and like that, a puppy. And then, yeah, lastly, but she and then we tried to crate her at night, the very first night, and because we think partly because she came from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which meant she was in a crate on a semi truck for 27 hours mm-hmm. with brakes. I mean, they did stop and let people like let them out. Mm-hmm. Um, like volunteer groups actually met the truck at like rest areas and stuff but um so she's kind of not a fan of the crate and so we tried to put her in the crate the first night to sleep and she was having none of it yeah well, how, so how she, did she let her displeasure be known well she started off with just whining that worked itself up to like a little bit of a bark and then she does it because she's a hound she's uh-huh. a plot hound she does a little howl and it's it was really cute <laughs> it sounds very cute and kind of sad she, she throws her head back too. She doesn't think she throws her head back and starts howling. But it's like kind of like her voice cracks a little bit. It's it's cute, but also still annoying. Especially uh, at, in the middle of the night. Yeah. So we, we've been bringing her. She's actually been sleeping in our bed, but she's oh, been doing it. Oh, no. I know. Um, but whatever. It keeps her quiet at night. And we're I'm sleeping fine. She's not getting into my space. It doesn't seem like. And uh, last night she slept the whole night, which was didn't wake us up. You know, at wow. 2 a.m. to go to the bathroom. So, did she leave you any sort of special surprise in the bed? No, she did not. No, I did not get any that's, type of. Uh, that's good. Gift in the morning. So we're we're getting there. She's she's good. She's very very cute. And what do you do with her during the day while you're on the farm? Can she like hang out with you and help you do farm things? Uh, if it's a sunny day, and like good weather, I do have a pen that we built kind of like up at the farm. Um, it's kind Hang of like with an the goats. No, can you just put her in with the goats or the sheep, the lambs? I mean. Um, I don't think the lambs, she would probably get kicked right in the face by a lamb. I She'd feel like they could probably be friends and it'd be adorable. Yeah. Oh, but then maybe it would be bad when you take the lambs away to be processed and suddenly all mm-hmm. of her friends go away and never come back. Yeah. Uh, I'm traumatizing. I'm yeah. I'm not, I'm going to try and just traumatize the humans in that situation, not also <laughs> add my dog into the, yeah. into the mix. Right. So she does hang out in a pen out there. Um, well, nice. she's gotten, she's gotten better. She, a little whiny when we first out there when she, like every time we walked away, but for the most part now she just like hangs out out there and sleeps and she gets lots of pets from all my coworkers. She's a big, everyone's a big fan of her, but she is not, um, trained well enough to just like hang out at my side while I work. Is that but the, is that the ideal state? I definitely think so, but that might be like a full six months away, you know, but yeah. we'll, we'll work towards that. I would really like to be able to just, yeah, bring her up to the farm off a leash and let her hang out at the farm all day with us and then go home um, without her, you know, running away, just walking all over the fields or electrifying herself on the, the pasture fence. So, yeah, it would be no good. All, all things to work out. <laughs> Wait, why do you have an electrified pasture f- like for the sheep or for the no, lambs? No, we, we share um, uh, our driveway kind of goes along the, the cow pasture. Uh, so the black Angus like herd kind oh, of can so come not, right up not to your cows. Her. Not our cow. I mean, the farm is technically owned by the restaurant, um, oh, okay. man- managed by somebody else. But we share kind of like a wall, you know, a, f- a fence with them. Um, okay. And it needs to be electrified to keep them in. So. Right. But it's a pretty powerful shock, I think, to keep a cow back. So who knows what it would do to a little 20-pound dog. Yeah. Have you ever touched an electric fence? Not one like that. I've touched the one at home, which was like varies from kind of strong to very weak. So yeah. no. Have I you have touched to. a cattle fence? I, th- I feel like I have maybe when I was with Sean, our cousin Sean, at one point. I feel like he might have dared me to touch a fence, and I'm an idiot, so I probably did. I re- we did stupid stuff together. <laughs> I remember – oh, yeah, don't even get me started. I've got some good ones. So, like, uh, I remember dog treats. I, I dog treats. He did eat – okay, he did feed me dog treats, and I didn't realize it, and I did think they were good. That is not what I'm talking about. That's just mean. That's just a mean prank. Oh, I thought that was t- mutual. 
You, you thought it was mutual? You thought I was I thought like, you guys both ate, I thought you guys both ate dog treats. It was like a no, fun we were playing video games together, <laughs> and he was like, I'm going to go get us a snack. And I was like, all right. And I just kept playing, and he brought it back and handed it to me. And just, <laughs> I just put it in my mouth. I assumed he would just bring me beef jerky like a nice cousin would. And then I got all the way through eating one, and he just started cracking up. And he showed me it's the bag prank. that he got it from. It's not a good That's prank. A good it's a prank. <laughs> it's a funny prank. It's mean. <laughs> you know Anyways. they're not using top quality meat on those dog snacks. Who knows yeah, what I, I just ate? <laughs> We have many snouts how, and feet that I eat on that one. We talked about how hot dogs might be the same thing, though. So, <sighs> yeah, I don't. Anyway, um, all right. Well, uh, we we you didn't finish with, your electric fence story. Oh no, I touched it one time, and I remember my arms getting like shot back. It was really weird. That was my <laughs> okay. story. Good story. Yeah. Um, sheep uh, lamb update real quick. How are the lambs Still, doing? Still there. They're getting pretty big. I should I should take them pictures so we can post them either to Instagram or something. Um. They're getting they're getting chunky. Yeah, we definitely uh, need some pictures. We'll put them on the website. Yeah, I'll get I'll get com. some. I forgot we have a website. Yeah, I'll get some pictures going of the of the lambs. But they're good. They're healthy. They're fat. How's my boy Andre? Uh, boy Andre's big. He's got some that are catching up to him though. We did potentially name one of them Doctor Wool. Doctor um, Wool. <laughs> he has like a crazy tuft of hair on his head, like a mad Dr. scientist. Doctor Wool. What is his degree in? Well. <laughs> If I had a few more minutes, I'd come up with a great pun, but I'm not yeah. that clever. <laughs> yeah. Is, and is, so is he related to William? No. Uh, no. He's not related to William. Uh, Mr. William. William gives me more of a janitor vibe. Yeah, I suppose so. so yeah. Must have a bad scientist professor. William. All right. Thank you for the lamb update. Uh, what else do you do this week? Uh, well, you're supposed to get pigs, but that got pushed back to next week. Um, the, the pig guy was on the west side of the state, I guess, this week, so we didn't get the pigs. But uh, what did we do? We are like in the full – our weeks are pretty much like figured out for us before we even start. I mean it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday now harvesting. Um, those That's at least half the day doing that. Mm-hmm. One day a week is dedicated to like strictly weeding. Um, we have three main fields. So we're just on a three-week cycle where you know this week we harvest – or we did the lower field. Next week we'll go to the front field, then the midfield, and just kind of work our way through. Um, it keeps us very on top of everything. So when you're weeding, are you literally on like your hands and knees and yep. just pulling weeds out with your hands? Yeah. So it, I mean, it varies farm to farm. I mean, hand weeding is what you call that. Like hand weeding is done everywhere, but bigger farms really, really limit that because it's obviously super time intensive. Yeah. Um, and not the ideal way to do things, but we're a no-till farm which means we're not going to go through there with tractors, you know, tilling and you know, or cultivating these f- fields. So we do Wait, have, is that, is that what you do to keep weeds down? Um, yeah. So, I mean, people have tilling is actually, yeah, I guess the term for no till is way more, uh, in line with the idea of how you turn over beds and prep beds, you know, using a tractor to till your field to be able to plant it. But, um, it also applies to on bigger farms, use tractor cultivators, um, which are basically different, crazy methods for weeding the bed without having to use your hands so you go over the bed one of them you know it's a bunch of baskets actually that the space between the basket lines up with the plant so your mm-hmm. the baskets are kind of just agitating the top of the soil enough to kill small weeds there's ones that go through and are way more aggressive there's ones that go through that look like um little like s tines that will just bounce off the soil and help just you know kind of shake up the soil mm-hmm. there's a lot of different tractor implements to cultivate and keep weeds down but, I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't nail when you get that through, you're going to have to weed by hand or with hose eventually. Um, but we just do everything by hand and hose here, basically. Gotcha. So, And it, I, know, I do know one thing about weeding, and my question related to it is, do you guys ever flame weed? Um, this farm, we actually just sold the flame weeder they had. because what? mainly because well, it It's was, the it coolest was a, implement that you have. It is, but it's very – the one they had was very ancient, and we didn't even know how to begin trying to figure out how it works, if it still works, if there's not leaks or anything, and it felt like a dangerous place to, to Okay, to yeah, start maybe like a, having like a – essentially a leaky, unknowable flamethrower is probably problematic. Yeah, but – and I, I like them. In the ideal scenario, they work well. I guess I'll explain what it is. Yeah, it's explain what the, it is. Coo- the coolest method of weeding. Um we did a, a lot at the farm last year, but um, essentially it is a flamethrower of some sort. So ours last year was a backpack propane thing that leads to a singular torch that you hold in your hand, like a blowtorch mm-hmm. that's big, a long handle that you has flames coming out of it. They make bigger ones that are um, 
you kind of push. It has like two bicycle wheels on it that covers the whole width of a bed. And then they Whoa. make ones that are real crazy that go on the back of tractors that are like no. 12, feet, 12 feet wide. Look up a tractor-mounted flame weeder. Tractor-mounted flame weeder. All right, I'm going to try. They're insane. They're like a wall of fire. Um, but anyways, the, the concept's the same no matter what. It's just a different scale. And basically what you're doing is... Oh, um, what? It's the coolest looking thing I've ever seen. Isn't that insane? <laughs> it looks like a, I don't know. It looks, it looks like a sci-fi, like fake thing. Like, why would you ever use that? It but, looks like the tractor is trying to take off. Yeah, it does. It actually, yeah, it looks like a jet. <laughs> um, it's like a flame Zamboni, kind of. You're right. It does. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but uh, what a flame weeder does, essentially, you have to strategically time when you're using it. But what we would do, essentially, the heat bursts the cells um, in the plant and their membranes and stuff, and the plants just, like, wither away. Um, it only works on broadleaf weeds, which is 95% of weeds. It doesn't work on grasses because essentially the roots and stuff are strong enough in the grasses that they just re come back up. So crabgrass and stuff like that, it doesn't work on, but most of the weeds you're dealing with on a farm are going to be ones that are broadleaf. And basically what we would do is we would, um, seed carrots or beets, uh, direct seeded under the soil. And then those take a little bit longer, about seven to 10 days to germinate, but weeds usually take five to six days to germinate. So what you would do is once you saw those weeds coming up, um, and we'd call it the white thread stage for weeds, basically because that lead stem is like a white thread. It's that delicate. Mm-hmm. And you look, you go through, make sure none of your beets or carrots have popped up. You strap on the flame weeder and you would flame weed directly over where those plants are going to come up. Ideally you'd flame weed the whole bed. We would always do specifically where we planted um, and then basically what happens is the carrots and beets should pop up. They should have a head start above the weeds because you burned all the other ones away. Um, and it just gave you an advantage. But that is incredibly specific. I imagine there's a version of that for like other plants you can do too, not just for like carrots. Yeah. You would never be able to, it's another thing people do. It's, I mean, we could go on forever about like no-till farming and how this works, but one of the things you can do is you do, um, I think it has a crazy name, like occultation or something. But what you do is you basically take a giant black tarp. Um, or you know, sometimes people put down a giant like white or lighter colored tarp. Weeds start to germinate underneath it, um, but they're really struggling to actually you know, get out from under the tarp. You pull the tarp back. These weeds are super delicate and weak. You can take the flame weeder over it and burn them down, and now you have a sterile bed to plant into. Um, you can yeah, – there's a bunch of different techniques for that. It's hard to do on a – bed where you transplant the crop because like you can't control the flame well enough to like right. burn around your tomato plant or burn around your cucumbers but that would i would imagine m- that would be a bad day at work if you like somehow messed that up yeah and i mean and you can still mess it up too like you said that window is so narrow between you know when the weeds come up and when the plant comes up that last year my like uh boss was doing it and he got a little bit like excited and and didn't realize that the beets had germinated in the bed he was doing and fried like you know 200 row feet of beets, which Ugh. is like thousands of beet seeds. But you know things happen. Um, but he really the f- dropped the beet. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, it dropped the base. Never mind. We'll, we're gonna take that out in the edit. <laughs> and uh, the one thing last year that we were told was because we were on a muck farm, which basically means Wait, our soil a was muck farm. That's muck. A, th- a muck. Like muck that's soil. A, that's yeah. an actual term. Yes. So a muck soil farm is essentially an old floodplain um, where the soil is. I mean, just picture the, you know, when you see picture of the farms where the soil is black, basically, it's incredibly rich. Um, I mean, for, that's kind of how I've pictured every all soil. No. Isn't all soil black? No. Most farms are like a brown, tan. Think of grandpa's soil is almost red down in Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it has really, a lot of clay in it, doesn't it? Yeah. But I mean, you can see things still obviously grow in it. But like yeah. the most rich farms you can grow in are muck soil, old river plains for that reason all the old carbon you know everything being um deposited but and for what that means is basically an average farm has four to six percent soil organic matter that's basically what percentage of your soil is living um microbial life you know carbon rich things in there Mm -hmm. you want that number to be high that's what feeds your plants yeah um and basically at our muck farm our percentage at our highest field was 55 percent what so which is insane i mean it's unreal um it's good for the plants it's really good for the weeds um but anyways because of that the urban legend was that if you flame weeded your field your field could catch on fire <laughs> um which we never like we didn't 
we had heard people keep telling us that and we went when we took over the farm last year we were like we need to figure out how to flame weed like it would help us so much yeah um so we just went out there one day and just like burned a little corner and see like see the, the whole thing caught on fire <laughs> <laughs> nothing went up in flames nothing started to smoke nothing crazy happened um so we're like all right we're fine and we never had a problem and uh another the other reason you do that on beets and carrots is because weeding beets and carrots is incredibly difficult because basically the weeds grow up in amongst the carrots carrots right. are super delicate you have to be on all fours hand weeding but like really strategically hand weeding and that can be a huge pain in the ass um so pain if you can in burn the knees. them and a huge pain in the knees so if you can burn them it works a lot better but we don't do that here sadly but it's too too bad no-till farms have pretty low weed pressure overall because you're not you know replenishing the seed bank by tilling really deep and bringing seeds up um because you're doing minimal tilling less less weeds usually overall but we can we can pick a day to talk a lot about no-till farming and what it means because it's the first time i've done a no-till farm but um it's a really interesting concept i'll put it on our list Okay. I talked for a while about that. So basically, yeah, we have three harvest days, a weeding day. Um, and then usually the last day would be for, um, like projects, you know, find something. Yeah, I wish, um, we do rest on the weekends because we don't do a farmer's market. So I get weekends, which is nice, but, um, we'll tackle projects usually on that other day. Trellising. What's an example of a project? Okay. So trellising. What did you guys do this week? I, we trellised our cucumbers and our tomatoes, which are being grown. I did that last week. We do. You do it weekly because they're growing crazy fast. Oh. But we put up an electric fence around, like a knee-high electric fence around one of our fields because a woodchuck is feasting on our kale and things <laughs> in there. Um, other projects, I know it's funny to you, but it's, he's the worst. He's eating a lot of dollars worth of food. <laughs> um, and then another couple other things we did was um, we oh what was it just oh a lot of killing of pests specifically those beetles are still on the rise. Oh yeah, so killing the old Colorado potato beetle. So, so a normal a normal week, but it was a really rainy one as well. Um, we worked in downpours at least two days this week, but stuff's got to get done. You mean you don't get the day off when it rains? No, you do not. I strap on my full like uh, looks like I'm about to go fishing on the Bering Sea outfit, and nice. uh, I have like I have a full dark green bib overalls plus rain jacket that's incredibly hot and cumbersome to work in, but it also keeps me 100 percent dry, so I can't complain. But cool that was my week. It was your week. My week. My week, I did a little bit of traveling. I drove from Arlington to New Jersey Monday night. It's like a three-hour drive. I, uh, speaking of rain, had to drive through the heaviest rain I have ever experienced. Like, we were – everybody on the highway, we were driving about 30 miles an hour because that was as fast as we could go safely. Uh, it was crazy, like no visibility, um, truly, truly bonkers, which meant my drive to New Jersey took a lot longer than it should have, unfortunately. Never pulled uh, off the road? Didn't no, I kept it going. I, okay. I didn't really want to stop. I felt like, I don't know. I was going slow. I was going slow enough that I felt safe enough. Okay. Uh, so we, I, I did that Monday night because all day Tuesday we were running a workshop with a team, one of the teams that we're working with. Uh, so this is our fourth of four kind of kickoff workshops that we've do, been doing. Um, my, my partner flew up from Tennessee to work on this with me. So we ran that session uh, all day on Tuesday. And then basically as soon as that wrapped up, I got back in the car and I drove back home and got back like 9 o'clock or so Tuesday, Tuesday night. Um, and then the rest of the week, Wednesday and Thursday, we're both kind of wide open. The way this project is working, it seems to be working right now, is that early in the week is really heavy with a lot of meetings. Um, and then Wednesday and Thursday tend to be more open. So we use that space for, I don't know, we're kind of at this interesting inflection point on the project where we've done kind of the, the footwork to stand up some teams that are working in some new ways that we're coaching and they're on what we call kind of a default operating rhythm where they have um, a, a kind of planning meeting at the front of the week and every month or so they're supposed to do a retrospective. Uh, so they're all kind of up and running and learning about how to work in a more iterative way through that process. So now we took a little time this week to have some larger 
strategic conversations, both among the project team, so my partner at the Ready, um, actually two partners at the Ready who are working on this with me, and then also our kind of key client um, stakeholder, just some larger conversations about where the project is going to go and where we can where we can get and where we need to get uh, by basically the end of the year uh, f- to feel good about what we're what we're working on. So it's I like I like kind of that setup to the week where up front of the week is kind of really structured and pretty busy, and later in the week I have more white space for thinking and writing and things like that. And then Fridays uh, I have very little client work on Fridays. We kind of explicitly set up that expectation with the client where they know essentially Monday through Thursday, I'm fully focused on their stuff. But then on Friday, I reserve that for internal stuff for the ready, whether it's, you know, writing or publishing a newsletter, um, working on some other reputation stuff. We have, we kind of fill our Fridays with internal meetings uh, sometimes. Uh, So that's, that was my basic my basic week right there. I see you ate Popeyes again. It's good to know. <laughs> yeah, on the way home. The like the New Jersey Turnpike in the in like I ninety five, I don't think you know in Michigan, like we have rest areas, right? But mm-hmm. there's there's not like restaurants at rest areas. It's just yeah. like, usually kind of a gross bathroom. Um but in but here these service highways, areas. service areas, man, and they're like clean and mm-hmm. really. Uh, I forgot. I got to tell you my shame. Uh, I feel so much shame about this. So on the drive to New Jersey, it was in the afternoon. So I had already eaten lunch, but it was kind of late in the afternoon, um, and I was I didn't get a good sleep the, the night before, so I was tired and a little bit worried about staying awake. So at the front end of the drive. I had gotten some beef jerky and a Diet Coke just to like munch on while I was driving, keep myself awake. Some good burps from that for sure. Uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was good. It, it, it was good that I was driving by myself. Uh, but then a couple hours into the drive, I had at least probably another hour and a half to go. I stopped at a service area, and in that service area, <laughs> I got a chili dog from mm-hmm. Nathan's because I don't know why, because I just wanted one, and then. I got a frosty uh, and a small fry from Wendy's. Okay, uh, so this is all my, good so far. Yeah, that was all. That, that, it was that was not dinner. It was just a snack mm-hmm. uh, on top of another snack. Uh, and then when I finally got to New Jersey, got to the hotel, I, it was you know eight o'clock or so, and I felt like I hadn't really eaten dinner. Like I'd really messed up the timing to where like I ate the the Wendy's hot dog frosty at like four or so. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. about four. So too early for dinner, right? So then I got to the hotel and I didn't eat right away. And then it got to be about eight o'clock, and I was kind of getting hungry, but I really should have just gone to bed. Uh, and I ordered a uh, a personal margarita pizza that I ate nice. most of while laying in bed. And it was just one of it was one of my fattest days. And it really the whole thing we talked about. I think in the first episode, like when I'm traveling, sometimes I just throw my good intentions out the window, and I'm just like, I'm gonna be fat. And I'm going to eat this stuff, and that's going to make me feel better about the fact that I'm kind of somewhere where I don't really want to be, and I'm tired and lonely, and I'm going to eat this pizza. Wow. Anyway. I mean, I mean, me sad. Then, but then Popeye's was on the way home, and that oh, was just okay. like a normal dinner. Like, you know what? It's dinner time. I, I, I did a workshop all day long. I've been driving for about an hour. Let's stop. Let's get some gas. Let's get some Popeye's. I forgot about that fat day I had. <laughs> Let's eat this Popeye's. Yeah. Your short term, it's good to short term memory loss. <laughs> well, you know, I didn't like, really have. I mean, I guess there's always. Oh, here, actually, no, I was proud of myself on this one because there was also a Cinnabon at this okay. service area, and I did not get anything. I just got my Popeyes and I went on out. Man, look at you. Restraint. You're like a restraint. You're like, you're like a, a bearded Elliot Kalen with your love of Popeyes. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> not, gonna, not gonna lie, and I, I even I got chicken tenders this time, which usually I don't get boneless anything or tenders anything like that because I feel like they're cop outs. I feel like if you're gonna eat some fried chicken, you got to do the tiny bit of work of actually getting it off the bone. But I was tired. I was so unmotivated and tired. I just decided to go with tenders and just wow, easier to eat them. That's how that's how you know you're so exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't that want to deal of... with bones. Yeah, no. Wow, you sound so primitive when you were saying that too. Well, and now yeah, I've you... learned that I really like tenders. Like it's really yeah. nice to just eat things without having to pick pick them off bones. 
You're a tendy boy. You're just another. Don't even. Uh, <laughs> don't even. No, I'm not a tendy boy. Another one of those lazy Americans. Yeah. Dipped it in ranch. Mm, boy. Nice. Did no honey? No honey this time? I didn't get it. I got some, yeah, I guess ranch. Uh, and then a biscuit. And guess what my side was? What was your side? You got to guess. That's oh, the game. I don't I don't know what their sides are. I'm not reading that Popeyes. I mean, just imagine what a Popeyes may have as a mac side. And, mac and cheese. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you're, my, you're my hero. I kind of feel like this this podcast might just turn into talking yeah. about fast food and other food. Yeah, which is sad because I'm you know I work on an organic farm. I should be eating real yeah, well. Yeah, should be organic stuff. I am just a you know a, a middle class white knowledge worker guy. I should be eating Popeyes. All right. Well, I'll work on my side of things. All right. Glad okay. you got yours figured out. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, is that you got any follow up from last week? No, follow I don't think up? so. Hopefully, the audio is better. I've got I spent money on a new mic and a new recording program, so hopefully the bad audio days are behind us. Except for your cat meowing, and I'm sure future dog sounds. Yeah, and the cat actually he went away, so hmm. we're good. It's all we quiet bored, over here. We, we bored him. We did. It's not it's like good. we lost a listener. We oh, lost a no. listener. Or maybe our only listener. <laughs> But uh, well, it's good that you could buy a new mic with all that ad revenue we were getting. So yeah, all the ad. The, you know, thank you to Eero and Casper and Squarespace for sponsoring us. I, I'd take those. Sponsors. I have almost all those things. Yeah, me too. I, would, uh, I actually literally almost bought an Eero today because my router really? was pissing me off. I could give out a sponsorship to um, the Sill. Uh, yeah, um, I love the Sill. Mac, Mac, Mac Weldon also have some Mac Weldon stuff sitting around. Drift away coffee, real into the real into those uh, podcast based services. <laughs> but uh, yeah. well, do you feel like our one big topic is too big for the amount of time we have left? I don't know. We can just start diving into it. I guess Let's dive into it. I'll I'll because uh, I I did a lot of talking last week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and ask you some questions. But I feel like this overarching topic, which was essentially gonna be your kind of, I wanted to know about your your path to leading you to consulting because it was not a or specifically also you know positive psychology since it was right. not a you know direct path uh at all um yeah i did not go like to business school i feel like that's a pretty long um potential topic but i think i want to start with asking um this might even be skipping some steps but just with like when did you first hear about anything to do with work or with positive psychology or that realm because I mean, family and people know that you were in teaching before then, but um, right. that shift is, you know, there's there's definitely similarities between the two, but I'm kind of curious where that idea even came from, because at the time, too, I think you would say it was a pretty new field when you were first looking at it. Yeah, relatively new. I mean, where where this came from was, so I graduated from undergrad in 2009, and... Things were good. Economy was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The opposite of that, especially in Southeast Michigan, which is where I moved back to, which is where we're from after undergrad. So I, that first summer coming out of school, I worked really hard to find a full-time teaching job and just nowhere was hiring. In fact, everywhere was laying off. So there were literally no full-time teaching jobs that first fall. Um, and I don't know if anybody from my graduating class got a job as a full-time teacher that year. And I decided uh, that fall when I had basically, because if you think about trying to get a job as a teacher, if you don't have a job by the start of the school year, you're probably not going to get one, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, that's kind of how the industry works. So the start of school rolled around. I did not have a full-time job. I was living at home with mom and dad and you. Uh, and I decided to start a website because I felt like I needed a long-term project to like keep myself sane because um, I couldn't just like look for a full-time job the rest of that time and because there weren't really any to be had. So I decided to start a website and I was writing about um, ostensibly about like minimalism and simplicity, but that pretty quickly I pretty quickly started to also write about kind of like personal development type stuff. I've always been 
intrigued by various aspects of personal development and personal productivity. You know, in 2007, I read Getting Things Done by David Allen, and I became like a real big fan of that. So through learning more about GTD and applying it to my own life, I was introduced to other people writing about productivity stuff and personal development. So that website I started in 2009 um, was where I was putting a lot of my attention when I wasn't substitute teaching. Um, And eventually... You taught me, by the way. Just throw that out there. You're my substitute teacher. (laughs) What class was it for? I don't remember. That was Spanish in seventh grade. Spanish in seventh grade. Mrs. Smith, I think you were. I think uh, I may have done that a couple of times, maybe. You did. You definitely did. Was that great? Was that amazing? I think, yeah, you spoke Spanish really well. Um, (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs) You really handled all the little shitheads, though. That's funny, because I think I also taught Joey Spanish. And I I actually do remember substituting for his Spanish class, which is funny. I didn't take Spanish high school. I don't know any Spanish. But that... That day, I decided to just really lean into pretending to know how to speak Spanish. Not like, you know, like actually trying to convince anybody away, but just like reading the, the worksheets and engaging with everyone on their content. Mm-hmm. It was actually a lot of fun. Um, I'll see that. They, they enjoyed listening to me trying to print out Spanish words without actually knowing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So I was substitute teaching, working on this website. Also, that's – I was um, – also coaching a little bit at Avondale as an assistant coach, um, but full-time coach or full head coach at University of Detroit Mercy's hockey team. Uh, but eventually, through the website, I had started reading more and more stuff that I now realize was positive psychology type material. And specifically... Do have, yeah, do you have yeah. any examples? I'm curious. Yeah. So I specifically read Flow by Dr. Csikszentmihalyi. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was incredible. I thought it put into words a lot of the stuff that i had been thinking about and at the end of the book when it was described when it was um dr chetmihai's bio it mentioned that he was teaching a graduate program in southern california in this thing called positive psychology and by then uh, i think that's the so at this point we're like in 2010 we're in like early like late 2010 early 2011 and i again you know, didn't find a full-time teaching job that following year. I had done more and more subbing. Um, I did eventually land kind of like a long-term subbing role, but it was terrible and a, <laughs> a horrible experience. Uh, so I was very done with the idea of being a teacher. I did not want to be a teacher anymore. I did not want to be a part of this industry anymore. And that was right when I learned about positive psychology and that the fact that there was a grad school. So I decided, I didn't think there was any chance I could get in because I didn't study psychology in undergrad, and I had been out of school for a couple of years. But I decided that since I had a website that had you know over 100 articles at this point that I had written about things related sort of to positive psychology, I thought maybe that would be enough to, to get me in. So I did apply, and I did get in, um, and then went off to California the, basically the end of the summer of 2011. Yeah. Man, I guess that, um, that was a long time ago. It <laughs> was a long time ago. Um, so what about when you first went into teaching, was there like, you know, you always meet people that are going into teaching that they have like, you know, have always wanted to teach the next generation. <laughs> like what was like, I mean, for you, was there a specific thing that made you want to be a teacher yeah. or was it more of just like what was kind of went along with your, your love of history and things like that? Exactly. Or just like, well, this should have been okay. the, the, the wake up call to me is that I was a teacher, not because I liked teaching or I liked kids, but because I liked history. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something in the realm of history. I had had a couple of history teachers who had a big impact on me, you know, Mr. Rosati, Mr. Henderson, Ms. Bialowski. Um, And they, I I mean, I wanted to be like them and I really liked the content, but I didn't know like, what else do you do with a history degree, right? Like what else is there? So that's why I got a social studies education degree and um, decided to go be a teacher. And what I, I mean, what I learned is that I actually really do love like the actual act of teaching, like preparing the lesson and actually being in front of the students and, and doing the teaching and getting to know my, my students. I loved all of that, but there is so much other, rigmarole around being a teacher which is just it's just bullshit like administrative bullshit and Mm -hmm. I did not want to be a part of that once I had gotten a taste of what it actually was like and like I realized I didn't have the language for it but I realized now I was really reacting 
kind of viscerally to the to the organizational operating system that is the American public school system and the and the kind of nonsensical hierarchy and command and control shit that you have to put up with as a teacher when you are ostensibly a professional but you are treated like you don't know what you're doing um so i yeah i i pretty quickly i mean and also the other thing i should say is that i had a pretty atypical experience for a new teacher right graduated into a major recession could not find a teaching job anywhere and then primarily substitute taught and then got kind of thrown into this emergency substitute situation where I thought I was coming in for a day and then they asked me to come in for another day. Then they asked me to finish the week. Then they asked me to finish the semester. And then they asked me to like finish, you know, go into the following semester. So I went from thinking I was coming in for a day to being in the same classroom for months with nothing prepared for me at all because it was an emergency. So I literally... It was the most insane, hectic time of my life because there were multiple classes that I was teaching with nothing prepared, which meant every day I had to go home and kind of from scratch figure out what I'm doing the next day for multiple classes while being a totally brand new teacher with none of the normal onboarding or support that a new teacher would get. Uh, so I was just utterly burned out and did not want to be a part of that scene anymore. So That's I took out a crap nice, yeah. ton of a crap ton of student loans and went to grad school with no real plan either, other than I'm going to learn this positive psychology stuff. Maybe at the time I was thinking I would really focus in on like coaching, like personal development coaching and life coaching type stuff, and then luckily mm -hmm. kind of realized, oh, the application of this to the organizational environment opens up this kind of world of consulting and. Luckily, consulting can be fairly lucrative, so taking out a shit ton of student loans is a little bit more reasonable if you're going to go into a very lucrative field. Um, so that like, all luckily kind of worked out, but I did not really have a plan when I initially got to Claremont. Yeah, I guess that's way more, I mean, I guess I was always so much younger and didn't have the context for it, but that's like, that's an incredibly giant step to take slash also a very adventurous take on a huge move slash financial decision where you kind of had no um, real you know plan for what was going to happen, um, yeah. which is like I had to a mini extent, but mine was in the other direction where it was I was getting away from getting in debt to anything and to like reevaluate where I was. Um, yeah. And you kind of jumped in the opposite direction. But I mean. And this is obviously living proof that both of those work out and to, yeah, some, they you know, do. to some extent. <laughs> and I think, yeah, luckily the fact that I had been like writing and really into the minimalism world, like minimalism is like a really popular thing right now. It was much less so when I was part of it in 2009. Like it, it's funny to think back to that time because I was one of a handful of websites that actually had, you know, thousands of readers all about minimalism. And I like, I'm, I was you know, I, anyway, not to go into it, but like, I know a lot of the players in like the minimalism kind of movement now from those days. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that I've been writing about it and thinking about it for so long made it, I was much more comfortable with the idea of taking out a huge student loan because I told myself, because there's, there's repayment options that are essentially a percentage of your salary um, each month is just automatically kind of sent to your student loan. So I told myself, even if I took out what seemed like an incredibly high amount of student loans, if I just get used to the idea that whatever much money I'm making, subtract 10% from that and just pretend that I'm not even making it because I know 10% every month is going to go to my student loans, regardless of like how much it is in an absolute amount, then I could be fine. And I had already been thinking about like, how do I live as minimally and as frugally as possible? It became a lot less scary. Yeah. Now, I guess what caused was it the need to live frugally before between after college or what gave you the like interest in minimalism if okay so it wasn't a big thing at the time yeah, uh, I wouldn't say there's a ton of literature really on it um, I just felt like I mean I remember you writing about it and stuff too and I remember even describing people like that's what your website was about at the time yeah. but I guess there's no I don't really remember the background for how that ever began I think um, part of it has to be the website called Zen Habits by Leo Babata I remember finding that and it really resonating with me. And I don't remember how if I if that was like the first thing I started reading about it or how I even stumbled across it. I think it was kind of through the personal development type stuff. And then just kind of I don't know, 
thinking about the way we grew up, the fact that I had four younger brothers and we, you know, we didn't live in a huge house, I think maybe part of a reaction to that is like once I got my own space that was truly my own and I had kind of some control over what I had in it and how everything was set up, I was really attracted to the idea of not having a lot of stuff um, and keeping things really minimal just because that's like not how I grew up necessarily. I mean, I, I used to hate when people would mess with my stuff. And when you have four younger brothers, that happens all the time. So yeah, I probably I can't believe like, that. overcompensated in the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. I guess and I never really thought though, about right? that. You, you never mess with my stuff, I'm sure. I was too young, man. Our paths, <laughs> our paths didn't cross. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound like we never like interacted when we were children. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I, I have, well, you're both bad for this. I have very few, I feel like, memories of when I was young and <laughs> growing up in a house full of four older brothers um, in terms of like what the day-to-day was like, but I'm sure we had interactions. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure we I'm sure we said hello to each other, you know, here and there. Yeah. Over breakfast, we eat our cereal and nod you, yeah. nod back. Yeah. Remember um, how we used to like build little forts out of the cereal boxes so we didn't have to look at each other when we're eating? I do, I do remember. Why? <laughs> were we that sick of each other's presence at all times? I think I mean, I guess in the morning we didn't want to see each other eating and we didn't want to hear each other eating. So we would build little <laughs> cereal forts. Honestly, that still stands. I would, if I ask <laughs> yeah. Haley, I would ask Haley if we could start doing that at breakfast. Like that's a very good idea. <laughs> I think so. I totally forgot we did that. Yeah. But I mean, I think our our most famous interaction, Sam, was when I was not even able to talk, and Mom had just given birth to me and brought me home, and your statement to Mom was, "How are you going to feed all of us?" Yeah. And that uh, pretty much determined our relationship for the next twenty <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did a good job. We're well fed. We're, we're very well fed. Big old Thank chonky you. boys now. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't call myself chonky. I would call myself chonky. <laughs> well, I wonder why. Yeah, it's that, it's that Popeye's Wendy's uh, sponsored <laughs> oh, um, type of eating you're the doing. The funny thing is I've actually like lost a few pounds over the f- past couple of weeks. <laughs> that story doesn't make it really sound like that's possible, but I actually have. Well, it's, I'm guessing it's not their eating habits. Are you like exercising? No, it actually is eating habits. That was <laughs> really? just one particularly bad day. <laughs> that's why everyone's got a cheat day. Yeah. You do a uh, – I get cheat weeks sometimes. Oh, that's good. That's good to give yeah. yourself that amount of time to really gain that weight back. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you're not doing any type of uh, – well, your hockey season's over, right? No, hockey's always going every Sunday. Oh, your hockey season's never ending. Basically, yeah. And I'm that's running – I'm trying to – I'm like running and walking pretty consistently. So. Nice. Yeah, any races? You ever plan to do a race or something? Um, maybe. I've. I mean, I've. I've toyed with the idea of trying to sign up for like a half marathon or something because I did one so long ago. Uh, but right now, I'm just trying to focus on it, doing it consistently, and enjoying it to the extent that I can. But also, living in DC in the summer, I. Yeah. It's humid. terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like low 90s and 90 percent humidity. Like it's. Yeah. It's a friggin' swamp. You should, uh, yeah, I mean, what we did last year, I asked me specifically, was that I just signed up for, in January, when I was real optimistic about my uh, fitness goals for the year, I signed up for a half marathon in October, um, yeah. and paid, you know, you pay a lot of money to do those races. That's true. Um, so I had kind of signed up and kind of forgot about it, and then I set my calendar for the three-month-out notification to start training, you know, a little bit more intensely, uh-huh. and three months out, I started training, and it was, I'm, and it's incredible the amount of, I mean, you already know this because you've run one, I think we've even talked about this before, and we can talk about running more in the future if i actually get back into it better but um just how quickly in the three-month period you can get comfortable with distance you know yeah well um, you have to also remember i'm 10 years older than you i know i'm in my i'm almost in my mid-30s man man so like my body doesn't recover quite like your young your young bones do doesn't mean you can't run a half marathon maybe <laughs> don't say maybe <laughs> unless you got brittle bones or something i think yeah you could run. got brittle bones i've got Road i've legs. got a race I've got a race next Wednesday. How far are you um, going? It's actually here at the farm. It's this um they do an event every year called the Cattle Run that I was asking mm-hmm. you guys about. Oh, no yeah. one's family gave me good name recommendations. Um so we went with team Move It or Lose It. Ugh. Ha. Um, but anyways, um it's a race done on the property here where it's teams of three. Um each person runs a one point four mile loop that kind of goes around the property. So you go down through the farm top of the hill um that the pasture like the cattle are all all put away and you kind of run up the hill 
um, which is a pretty grueling hill, and you come back down to the restaurant. So that's a 1.4-mile loop. Everyone runs that twice. So Neat. six laps, you run 2.8. Um, and it's me, Haley, and then one of the owners of the entire restaurant group. Oh, don't blow it. <laughs> I know. He's uh, well, I guess he's my landlord slash yeah, <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, yeah, he's just very, very you know important in the company. And the best part was I love – we talked – I've met him a couple times, um, super nice guy, but we talked about this race and I was like, yeah, Haley and I are still looking for a third. No one at the farm really wanted to do it. And about a week ago, he emailed me about midnight and just said, you're still looking for a third. <laughs> I was like, I, was like, I got, I'm looking for a team. And I was like, yeah. So now I've got the owner of the restaurant group nice. on my team, which should give us like at least a head start. You think right? so? Something like that. You so should, we'll see. You should, if he doesn't, if he doesn't show up well, you should just berate him. Okay. I think he career. will. He looks. He seems pretty fit. He yeah. seems like he's got it under control. I All think right. he created this event because he likes running. <laughs> okay. So it is. It is a fundraiser. Um, you know, each team raises money and stuff uh, for five different charities. But I think Jed made it because Jed wanted to run. Nice. So That's I'll give reason. you an update next next time we talk about how the race went. All right. Whether or not, whether or not we won, cool. whether or not we fell or hurt ourselves, because um, I haven't run in quite a while. I think so you'll be all right. You're farmer strong, remember? I know, but farm strong doesn't mean I run 2.8 miles. It yeah. means I cut my hands a lot in a week and uh, get sunburned. Okay, well. But I guess I take that well. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you won't get, at least you won't get sunburned while you're running, maybe. Oh, I will. Okay. Have we proved that I really don't get sunburned yet? No. Yeah. We're still working on that. That's gonna be a weekly update. And right now I'm good. Sun, I'm sun, I'm sunburned free, yeah, but it's because the you sun a, didn't come out. Yeah, say you had a rain week. <laughs> yep, this was good for my body. Yeah, Lord recovery. Knew. Yeah, it gave me a healing week. Yep. So. All right, but, dude. Is that is that good for today? Did I answer your question uh, satisfactorily? Yeah, I think we'll. There's definitely way more detail that we can go into over yeah. time, but that gives kind of the preliminary story of how you got to where you are. I definitely yeah. think there's some interesting. Um, conversations yeah. we had about actually getting into positive psychology and a little bit more into your time you know doing life coach work and consulting and stuff that you did while you were in yeah. california a lot of stuff and, happened while i was in grad school that got me to like what i'm doing now so yeah and i feel like there's probably a little bit more to be said even too for what you know the making the decision to to drop you know to stop being a teacher sure. I, mean, I know it was a little bit easy but you know financial in the sense that you weren't you know finding consistent work but yeah. I think anytime that you switch away from what you went to school for four years is kind of a a big deal yeah. so I can tell you about the time that I called in sick the morning of and went out to breakfast with mom and like broke down about how I can't be a teacher anymore that's that's the content we need Sam. that's right that's, that's what right. I'm here for yeah that's what we're all here for <laughs> yeah that's right it'll be really emotional but for now, yeah, you answered my questions. I'll give you some time to work on that story for next time. All right, cool. I'm going to go eat another popsicle. <laughs> Sounds good. See you, man. <laughs> See ya.